Is debt a sin? What do you do if you can't pay your bills? Do you use credit? What if your debt is caused you to not be able to pay for the rest of your living expenses? How do you deal with this? What kinds of decisions need to be made in order to effectively deal with debt in a credit world? This week on Faith for Finances, I am joined by Heather Johns, a cash flow specialist and longtime money mining ambassador, and we are going to give you a framework for dealing with debt and credit today. Welcome to Faith for Finances. My name is Sam Piercy, and I'm going to introduce you to Heather Johns. Heather is a longtime money mining ambassador, and you've met her before on Faith for Finances, and you can find out more about her background on faithforfinances.com. Oh, welcome, Heather. Never a dull moment with Heather. And so I asked Heather to join me. Uh, partly because that's originally how we started to talk, right? Uh, you and I first started dialoguing about debt, even though your profession was primarily managing investments. That's so, right. Do you yeah. want to share a little bit with our audience about your journey with this debt stuff? Of course, yeah. So I've been in the financial planning industry for about uh, a little over 20 years. Yeah. And and uh, when I first started in my business, somebody in my life had given me a piece of advice that mm. so maybe wasn't the best piece of advice, or maybe I didn't hear it correctly. But um, at the time I was told, when I very first started my business and I was just figuring it out, I was told, Heather, you've got to fake it till you make it. <laughs> and <laughs> uh -huh. what I heard them, what, what I heard from that was, You've got to spend money that you don't have yeah. to look like you're wealthier than you actually are, right? Yep. And, and so personally, at, at, you know, this was, was many, many years ago, but at, at the time, I, I was making decisions around credit and debt, you know, kind of like a, a whirling dervish and a, yeah. uh, you know, just not, it, it didn't make any sense at all. I was spending money that I didn't have, mm -hmm. credit cards. Yeah and uh, making all sorts of decisions that fast forward 10 or 15 years, yeah. all of a sudden I find myself running a program mm -hmm. to give people hope around cash flow and debt management, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because that was my story too. I started off in sales before finance and it was encouraged in a sales profession that you go and you get credit. And it was easy to get access to credit for that very reason. Fake it right. until you make it. And it, so you and I have a professional background, but even people that don't have a professional background, that message is pretty loud and clear in a lot of our society because we're met with all of this magazine images and this whole idea about you want to have the bigger house and the nicer car and the the change in the current wardrobe every year and that's just the world that we live in but it wasn't always that way right? I mean, we live in a credit-based society 
And so credit is the thing that fuels spending. And so we're not the only ones, obviously. It is the biggest issue facing our society today, and it's not sustainable. So what do we do with it? Is, is really what we're going to look at. Because what happens is, well, you can talk about this as, as well or better than I can. I mean, you get to a point where all of a sudden you're like, oh, now what? And well, I think part of, the, part of the issue is that money and emotions are so interconnected. Yeah. So, so when, when you don't have enough money coming in, and in the environment that we're in right now, there's lots of people that have suddenly lost their jobs and don't have the same amount of money that they're used to have coming in. Mm-hmm. And, and so what happens is it creates this, this emotional reaction to money. Sure, or loss, or, or perceived loss, or, or perceived fear. Lo- yeah, like, like, like somehow I'm not a good person because <laughs> I've got this huge amount of debt. Yeah. Right? Or, or I, I don't have enough money to cover my bills so all of a sudden the phone feels like it's 3,000 pounds. Sure, sure. You get paralysis because there's this demon that says right. you're not a good money manager, you're irresponsible, you've overspent, you've done all of these things. And of course, we see that time and time and time and time and time and time again. And right. So, you, so you know, have, we have this industry that, that is, is giving out credit cards like they're candy. Mm-hmm but actually not giving people the, the tools and the, the uh, they're not equipping people on, on how to deal with, with the, 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 the tools that they have, right? Sure, sure. And, uh, you know, quite often you have folks that are raised in, a, in an environment where money is a source of stress in the home. Yeah. And, um, and, and so they, they are afraid to ask for help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the programs that I that I, I run in, in my business is specifically around uh, exploring debt and credit issues with people. And really, it's all about giving people hope. Like, you sure. don't have to face this alone. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. make you a bad person. And nobody told you that this is, that there's a better way on, on how to do this. Yes, know? yeah. And it's not just about getting debt to zero. No. And often it's not about getting debt to zero. Not at all. Yeah. But but to to give people a, a system and a tool on how to how to work with that. Sure. And really to break through that um, judgment and that that uh, perceived that stigma around it. And yeah, oh no man anything but to love. Of course, it is a, a scripture that we all like to quote. But so is. Uh, well, we forget about the part that is lend to many nations. We forget about the fact that we live in a credit-based society. So the parable of the the unjust steward, where Jesus talks about unrighteous mammon, we think that's cash, but that whole parable is about debt. And so if we think that we're making the right kind of decisions, we think we know how to handle it because we've listened to little bits and pieces here or there, or because that's what worked a, a year ago, we're missing the whole point. And so you just said it, you hit the nail on the head there is we're giving people hope and we give hope because we're not advocating debt at all. What we are saying that there is no guilt or condemnation. There's no shame. There's no pride. There's none of that stuff. We got to lay it all out on the table and we got to be able to talk about it because there are specific 
intentional things that people can do that will diffuse it, that can accelerate the reduction of it. And one of those big ones is really what happens up here. In fact, the, probably the biggest one is what happens up here, because if you hold it in any kind of pride or shame, that's it, right? That's right. You, you lose it. So shall we talk about now then some of, some of the strategies? <laughs> and sure. Yeah, let's, how do we actually, how do we apply that? So we have a, a system, the uh, money minding system, that is the four quadrants. We've got the planning, the planting, the cultivating, and then the harvest. And the harvest is where everybody wants to get to because when they realize they have debt, then it's always like, oh, I've got to have more money. I just want to make it go away. Like, don't tell anybody, <laughs> right? Um, but yet, um, you and I both know that what happens is the miracle happens at the bottom. <laughs> And the, this is available on the Faith for Finances website as well as on moneymining.com. Um, so not to worry if you can't get it all at once. <laughs> and we have years of different pieces that go with it. But why don't we talk about the whole concept of cash flow and the, the benefit of really getting things in writing and how you can then make different decisions when you start to get the information organized. And so have you ever noticed that when you start to think about the amount of money in your bank account or, mm -hmm. or the amount of money that isn't in your bank account, mm. like, like even, even right now, I, I don't have my bank statement in front of me. Mm -hmm. I couldn't actually tell you the amount of money in my bank account. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, so one of the first things, especially when with debt and with credit decisions, yeah. is, is to get specific about what your current reality is. Sure, yeah. Without the guilt and condemnation. Without the guilt and condemnation, yes, for sure. Right? Yeah. So if I'm somebody who has, you know, $50,000 spread across five different credit cards, maybe. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I might actually not know that it's $50,000 spread out across five different credit cards. Okay, yeah. Instead, it might feel like it's $100,000. Because out. of your It might perceived. feel like $10,000. Like sure. Mm -hmm. without, without actually getting specific about the, the numbers involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so, so to start with, it's, Pull out your pull out your most recent statements, or go online and get your most recent balances. Yeah, yeah. And and figure figure out. Okay, so this credit card has this balance owing and this limit. Yeah. Here's what the minimum payment is, and it, when it's due. Yeah. Now you said something really important because it less about the interest rate, and more about what's owing, what's available, and what the payment is. And then we could also say when the statement is cut off and when the payment is. And then as we start to look at these things also, how is the interest calculated? Because those, those are really big issues that I've shared this before and you and I've talked about it. If you're just plugging numbers into an online calculator, you actually don't even become aware of some of the variables that make a huge difference in the actual amount that you're paying and how you can, I want to say shuffle your payments around so that you're you're being efficient and effective with it. So we think, oh my goodness, it's 20%. Well, but when we start to look at the overall cost and then when you start to do a, a cash flow plan, then 
you can start to see the return on investment and you can actually even start to recognize the value that you have in that access to credit because if you're just looking at it as this horrible wicked evil thing that you have to get rid of that's this big burden then you do get decision-making paralysis and you just want to make it go away and then you're just fueling shame and that doesn't work. Then you, you just scatter it around and you run around feverishly, you try to cut it up. And we're not saying that we're, we're advocating debt. I just need to keep saying that because there is somebody that's going to hear a message that says, how do you deal with debt about increasing debt in order to, or increasing credit in order to deal with your debt. And they're going to go, these guys are just trying to put people into debt. And that is absolutely not the case. That's not what we're doing. Absolutely not. Because one of the key things that is pretty unconventional, but you and I both know you do, especially because you work in with mortgages and with people is sometimes if you want to get rid of the debt, you have to increase the credit. In fact, that is a really key strategy and that is very unconventional. We're not saying to use it, but we're saying that that in terms of the way the algorithm goes for calculating credit score and for being able to make decisions to use the credit tools that you have, those things become I've, really critical. I've thought with so many people that, uh, you know, they're, they're all about how do I pay, pay off my credit card? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and nobody has actually taken the time to explain to them if they've got, let's suppose they've got two different credit cards. Yeah. Available credit, 5,000 on each. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The person that has $2,500 on one card. Yeah. $500 on the second card. Yeah. Total amount owing is 5,000. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm they're actually going to have a healthier credit score than if you have one person that has a $5,000 credit card that's maxed out. Yeah. Another second credit card with a zero balance. Right. So them have the same, same access to credit. Yes. Person that has kept their each card under 50% of the available balance is actually going to have a, have a better score. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that we want to make sure that we, we share is that that's the way things are right now as we know it. Right. But that's not necessarily going to be the same even after, like, next month. Right? The algorithm changes, and it's not published, it's not newsworthy, and it changes in different geographical situations. It changes with different uh, credit reporting agencies. But that's why we have to talk about it and we cannot assume that we know that having no access to credit is a good thing. Because where we come from, we've had the experience of a volunteer position um, being required to pull a credit bureau and certainly employers and those kinds of things. It's such a big deal. I'm not saying I like it. I don't think any of us like it. We're saying we have to be wise and wisdom means we need knowledge and knowledge means that we need each other so that we can start asking questions, right? Well, even, even in some areas, landlords will pull credit scores. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so well, what we do we do? We definitely the don't. World, but, you know, lots of times you hear about that, right? It, of course. Yeah. You, and you definitely don't just isolate and pretend like you've got it all together. Because we all know statistically, 80 to 90% of the population deals with some level of financial um, uncertainty every single day. That's probably more like 99% today. 
whether you got access to millions of dollars in an investment account or millions of dollars in debt, the whole point is the, the economic situation changes so fast and we get information from the bank and from advisors and from friends and from the media, from you, you, your social media, all over the place. And people are trying to make decisions without a foundation. And I'm just picking up my phone because financial math is so different than simple math. And so if you're making a decision just based on, oh, it's a 3% rate. Well, of course, I'm going to take the 3% over the 5% on a line of credit, well, they don't understand that 3% is maybe a compounded rate versus a, a daily interest simple rate. And that kind of stuff, that kind of language causes their head to go, Whoa, and they don't even ask. And so in terms of being empowered and taking a look at, you know, where do we start? What's the application of all of this? It is why we have a system. We have to start where we are. It is why we have to get a pen and a paper. It is why we need each other. And it is why we, we have all these tools. Like this is the 12 steps for dealing with debt. And because, as you know, we just talked about this, you know, people start with, oh, I've got debt. And then they just want to make it go away. But they also will sometimes immediately think that they got to jump to bankruptcy. And th there's... 11 things they can do before that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Or then the flip side of that is they maybe need bankruptcy, but they're too afraid. There's uh, so, you said something really interesting, Sam, where, uh, you know, the first thing to do is get a pen and a piece of paper. Hmm. So there's, there's, you know, and I'm all for using technology. I love yeah. technology. And, you know, it's one of the things that has us being able to be connected right now. Of course. Right? Yes. Yeah. But when it comes to dealing with personal finance, hmm. I believe, and this, this might sound a little crazy, but, but to actually set the computer aside and yeah. actually pick up a pen, yep. pick the paper, there's hmm. something that happens in a person's brain. Yes. That, that it slows you down. It, it has, it has some, there's like an energy that goes from the ink to the paper. Yes. Yep. And then back into your eyeballs. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It, it, there is, it, it actually has been scientifically proven. And that is why I love this diagram so much. Jen, who is working with me, um, one of the first days of working, she, I said, we need to have a diagram for this. And uh, so she got out her pens and her colored um, their colored pens and ruler and drew this and it's so perfect because we make it too complicated as soon as we try to put it into a spreadsheet we don't need a spreadsheet we don't need any kind of like online budget tool we have to start with the pen and the paper and we have to start by what's in here and then put it onto the paper and then start to ask the questions from there because the questions become evident as we look at the information that we're getting in here. And if you get colored pens and crayons and whatever, you can then make little notes. We got to get right back to that childlike faith and stop making it too complicated. The world around us, yeah, is complicated, but the basics are not. And the problem is we haven't learned money in the same way we learned one plus one equals two. And Dick and Jane and Spot and all of those other kind of the way we learned how to read. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I ever ever shared this with you, Sam. But uh, another another crazy thing that I did when I was working on transforming my personal emotional reactions around money. Yeah, 
is uh, I, I relabeled the folder mm. that I put all of the bills, my personal bills in. Oh, I don't think you ever did. Yeah. Okay. What right? So, so, you know, you could have them like strewn about in a shoebox or, yeah. or like just kind of off to the side of the desk or something in a, in a crazy random pile. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually decorated a folder and, and wrote on it in nice calligraphy. It was like a green folder. Yeah. Money, right? Green folder with, mm -hmm. with yeah. money miracles. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now, and I still have, I still use that folder today. That's awesome. Anytime I bill, I put it in my money miracles folder. I love it. I really love it. And it really just transforms. And it's like, cause, cause really we're always taken care of and we, there's yeah. always enough. Yeah. And, and every time I look at money miracles, it's like, you know, I could relate to this, like it's a bill that's about to be paid yeah. or I could, or I could relate to, oh, I've been blessed with the resources to look after this bill. Sure, sure. Or you could actually put scripture on the outside too. You could have a reminder oh, yes. of like Second Corinthians 9, 8, that we will always have more than enough to abound in every good work, right. you know, to bring gl glory well, to the Lord. Know, yeah. And it's the, it's the daily bread. It's the Lord's prayer, right? Exactly, exactly. So um, we live in a credit world. Debt is an issue for sure. And just because one per you yourself might not carry any what most people would call debt doesn't mean, how do I say this nicely? It doesn't give you the right to wear it as a badge of honor because we are all in debt to the system. And I don't mean that we don't aspire to owe no man anything. It means that we have to understand the world that we live in as a lend to many nations and lend to many nations financially, lend to many nations physically by going, lend to many nations through prayer, through sharing of ideas and connecting with really practical ways. So what do we do? Is debt a sin? No. Does debt create bondage? Absolutely. <laughs> Both physically and mostly emotionally. And so where do we start? Do we cut up the credit and do we, do we just continue to try and cut out and cut out and cut out and don't tell anybody and condemn? No, we have to start with the peace. We have to start with the possibilities. We have to start with the purpose, the vision, and then getting the information. And it's a perfect example when people don't want to look at it. They don't want to look at it, why? Because if you're on your computer and you're writing an email to a friend or you're looking well, up a recipe. It, people don't want to, people don't want to feel bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, so if somebody's up to their eyeballs in debt, mm -hmm. there's a good chance that that might feel bad. Mm -hmm. I remember, I remember years ago, you know, the first time I actually sat across from a client mm -hmm. and they were talking about how they're really worried about the level of, you know, the balance on their line of credit. Yes. And like, you know, I looked them in the eyes and I'm, I'm like, it's okay. I have one of those too. Yeah. 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 And we can all sudden, admit it. it. Yeah. All of a sudden it created this like, like, like the shame or whatever guilt or whatever was, was connected to that washed away. Sure. And then you could actually deal with, with helping somebody. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, but if, if there's shame, if there's any kind of guilt, if there's any kind of judgment, if there's any kind of pain or fear or anxiety around it, then we know that anxiety, well, fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the, the antichrist to the peace and to the love. And the, so the, we know that the enemy is going to use that. So what do we do? We know that the answer is Jesus. We know that the answer is the peace. We also know that in the practical way that a pen and a paper and the word of God and other people who can support us and say, it's okay. You know, looking up instead of looking down, looking towards hope, looking towards Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who will complete the good work that he began in us, the one who, who shares the, the how to, to continue to, to seek him in everything at all times. I'm just going to go actually to 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Let's just, let's just read it because if we don't have that, then we miss the whole exit strategy. Like what do we do? There are exits. There are opportunities to get rid of, of that debt. There are whole strategies and systems that we can apply, but that's not going to happen if we try to do it ourselves. I had a conversation just recently about uh, with somebody who thought that the bank would be happier if they had an extra little bit of payment on their credit card every month. And so instead of following the system of what most people call a debt snowball, even though they knew the strategy, they thought the bank would be happier if they added a little bit more. And like, no, <laughs> now you're just, you're scattering. The bank doesn't look at that. They just look at the numbers, like you said, right? $5,000 spread over two credit cards instead of on one. Those kinds of things, we have to be able to talk about it. But God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Well, let's do, let's summarize here. We write it down. We talk about it. We organize it in a cash flow forecast. We know that there is a system for making decisions around debt, just like there is around making investments, just like there is around identifying with a godly purpose, just like there is around creating income. And we follow the plan. You plan, you plant, you cultivate, and you harvest. And then each separate transaction, there's a process. And I love that rate of return is number 11 out of number 12 on our decision-making hierarchy. You got to go right down to what is your purpose. And so we are obviously going to continue to talk about this because it's such a big topic. I, both of us, I think with everything in us, encourage everybody that hears this message to share that there is no guilt or shame or condemnation in debt. Yes, we live in a credit world. We are all indebted to that system right now. And the best thing that we can do is to break down those walls and to gather together and say, 
What else can we do? Because the exit strategy, the way out of debt, the way out of this guilt and shame and condemnation and this slavery and this bondage is to increase, increase our righteousness, increase the fruit of our righteousness, to look at increasing the, the blessings, increasing our income, increasing our access to credit, which is really counterintuitive but you don't do that unless you have the mindset and the support and the systems in place so uh, I thank you so much Heather for joining us um, Heather is a money mining ambassador and she specializes in this kind of stuff so um, thank you for joining us on faith for finances and uh, we will see you again next week I'm just going to close quickly in prayer and say thank you Jesus that in your word is the truth and on the truth we can stand and that, that your word was there before the time began and will be there after time ends and so we look to you the author and the finisher of our faith we look to you for the practical insights and ideas for every area of our life and we invite you into our finances in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray and we believe. Thank you, Lord. Amen.